Hello. Hi, my people, my friends. Thank you so much for joining me again for another time in the Word of God. It's really been great hearing from some of you, letting us know how this word is impacting you. It's a great encouragement to write in and say, this has changed in my life. We've heard from you all over the world. It's great to know that we are reaching people beyond Uganda and that it's making a difference in your life. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an encouragement. Yes, it is a ministry and a mandate, but it's also encouraging to know that God is doing something through us and our obedience to simply share his word. The magic is in the word. It's not in the teacher. <laughs> it's not in the person. It is in the Holy Spirit ministering to us through his word. And it's an honor for me to be allowed by God to do this with you. But it's nice to hang out with you. So will you tell our friends that we are live, we are ready, we are here, we are hanging out. I told you I enjoy when we hang out live. It's better than the later views, eh? Because I can see you, it feels, it's different when we are together as opposed to after. Yeah, so bring our friends to hang out with us live. It makes a difference that we took time out and you are with me at the time I was with you. It makes a huge difference. But as we start, I'd like us to just pray together and get straight into the word for today. How is your December, by the way? Dope, right? Yeah, he crowns the year with his goodness. Have a good expectation. God is good. God is good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for another opportunity in your presence to hear your word, to be taught by you. Your word is life. Your word is light. Your word is power. Your word is our very life, like you say in the book of Deuteronomy, that it's not just the word, it's my very life. Thank you for your word. The words that you speak to us, they are spirit and they are life. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of your word, for the gift of Jesus Christ manifested in the word of God. That when we take you in, we're taking your word, we take you in. More life, more life, health to our bones, you know, restoration to our mind and to our relationships and to our finances and to every facet of our lives. Lord, may our hearts receive and retain your word today and we'll put it in action and see great growth as a result. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Beautiful music. Today I want to talk about something that's been on my heart. I've told you lately that I find myself observing. And even in the scriptures, I find myself looking at stuff. And maybe I'll share with you the scripture where it all began. A few weeks ago we had gone, we had the privilege of going to, to Ghana to a conference where a man of God was teaching. And I found that when I came back, my learnings were not were not mostly from the preaching. I really enjoyed the preaching, very anointed. I learned stuff, but that's not where my biggest learnings were. And I didn't plan it. But I found that my greatest learnings were from observation, from just watching and, and asking myself certain questions. And, 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 and my heart... My respect for this man of God went through the roof. Uh, he's already very anointed in my eyes. But seeing him, what he has built, the leaders he's leading along with, I think that's what the Queen of Sheba experienced when she said that she saw the wisdom of Solomon. Like she said, half the things of who you are were not told me. Like I didn't get to experience. And I think that that's a place God is calling us to, to become observers of life. That it gives us wisdom to observe gives you wisdom and there's a scripture in Proverbs chapter 23 again King Solomon a wise man um I'll start no chapter 24 yeah 24 I'll start from verse 30 he says I went by the field of the lazy man and by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding that is not you that is not your story What's interesting for me is that how he concludes that this man is lazy and devoid of understanding. He starts to explain it because there's that semicolon. Like, let me explain to you the man, the field of the lazy man and the vineyard of a man who has no understanding. He says, there it was, all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. And he says, when I saw it, I considered it well. I looked on it 
and I received the instruction. When I saw it, <laughs> I considered it well. Like seeing is not enough. It's to see and say, mm, okay, look on it. And then he says he receives instruction and he puts a colon. What instruction he received? That from seeing the field, of, he didn't meet the lazy man. He saw his field and knew the owner of this field is a lazy man. Look at the thorns, look at the nettles, look at the walls. They are broken down. You know, like how you enter someone's bedroom and there are cups under the bed and the the room is dirty, it's smelling, it's you you start you you tell the state of someone's heart by looking at their surroundings. You don't need to have a conversation with them. That's why it's important how we present ourselves. You can't just dismiss it and say me, you have to get to know me deeper. It I can fail to get to know you deeper by just how you appear. Your appearance can stop me from knowing you deeper. So that's why it's important to pay attention to your appearance because it can block me from knowing you deeper and you can't blame me because I don't know you. I've met you. What you look like gives me information that helps me discern what kind of person you are. In the natural at least. So not every person is spiritual and they are going to see you and sense something about you that's not so. That's just small, small wisdom. Your appearance matters. Young people, it matters. Huh? Why do you think they tell us about the good looks of David, the good looks of Joseph, the beauty of Esther, I think that God is saying that those things matter. I don't think he was just talking about natural beauty, but that they took extra care of themselves. So that's not the someone for today. But just something too. That when they look upon you and consider you well, what instruction do people receive when you walk into a room? When they, and just by looking at you, what instruction is received? And so he says he received instruction from just seeing the field of the, of the man who he said, this is a lazy man. And he said the instruction he received, which is what we like. We like the instruction, but we don't stop to see how he got the instruction. He observed, where he, ob he saw, considered well, looked, and received instruction. And the instruction he received was, hey, Solomon, don't just judge that man. That can be you. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. So shall poverty come like a prowler and your need like an armed man. In other words, you can go somewhere and either be a judge or a student. Yeah? You can walk into, you can judge someone, you can judge your parents, you can judge, I don't know. I try so hard not to judge. I try to, to, to say maybe someone is going through something. Maybe they've, they are broken inside. Maybe they don't know any better. Because when you judge, you block opportunity for, I don't know, help and progress. But also to know that it could be me. If I was on the other side, how would I want someone to receive and treat me? But also it could be me. And, and usually I find that the things we think we can never do or can never happen to us, happen to us because we don't get wise about them. But to know that it's possible for me to have an affair. When I don't put that beyond myself, I create boundaries against an affair. I'm careful. I'm one of those people who I don't chat with men who are not my husband. Yeah, I'm those people. Like, we don't be there in our inboxes chatting about what? The people I talk to are my doctor, and I'm telling him when I need help, I'm pregnant, or when I have an issue. Are uh, my brother, of course. That one we chat, no problem. My cousins, uh, my pastor, it's usually ministry, mission related things. Uh, my sons, spiritual sons, and it's also mission, what? But to be there, that's me, I know myself. I cannot. Uh, yeah, he says, if you think you're standing, be careful lest you fall. Yeah, yeah. And that's why he says that those of you who are strong, deal kindly with the weak. Yeah, knowing that even you, you can fall. So why, when you become an observer of life to receive instruction, you become humble. Because Solomon doesn't stop at saying, this man is so lazy. Look at his field. It's so broken down. It's so bad. It's so he says, when I saw it and I considered it well, I thought to myself, Solomon, that could be you. What led that man to that place was a little sleep, a little slumber. He's not an evil man, he's not stupid because he has a field. So he started well. It has walls, meaning at one point it was a good field with walls, a vineyard. He had a plan, but then some sleep and slumber crept in, and he says he folded his hands, poverty came upon him like a prowler and need like an armed man meaning you can be a person who once had no need in your life and then you can become a person with need you know people 
booster. But what happens is that you can learn from that. You can say, how did I end up in this situation where I once earned so much money and had everything I needed and now I can't make rent? Maybe you didn't save. You didn't have the wisdom of investment. So now, instead of feeling bad, receive instruction, do something. And that's not the sermon for today, but I believe it's a word for someone that part of learning by observation is don't just look at people and judge them. Maybe when it's the negative, but also don't just look at people and be old by them. When it's positive, receive instruction. Watch someone's life and say, what is it about this person that's making them succeed? And guess what? If it's principle and you try the same, you will succeed and soon your life will give instruction. And also if you observe someone's life and it's going downhill, Know that it can be you. So receive instruction. What has led this? Is not, don't just assume that people just want their life to go down. No, no one wakes up and they want to destroy their life. But what choices have they made that you can receive instruction from so that you don't have to repeat the mistakes they've made? Um, but also, of course, the question in my mind is what instruction is my life giving to people? When they look at me, are they receiving instruction of a little sleep, a little slumber? Are they receiving caution? Or are they receiving wisdom when they look at my life? That, that What testimony am I giving when they observe my life and consider well? Do they see things that they can say? Yeah, you know, this woman, like the woman of Proverbs 31, when they talk about her, they talk about her and how her husband is called blessed because of her. So when they observe me in different areas of my life, do they receive instruction that has to do with caution Oh, it's the wisdom of, of, of seeing a blessed life. I pray that my life will minister blessing and not caution to people. But what I started by talking about how I've become an observer of life. And one of the things that I've started, even when I'm reading scriptures, I've caught myself observing and saying, okay, so beyond the, the obvious instruction, what is it about this person? What is it about this person? And I'm going to talk about a couple of people in the Bible today. I know that you'll find yourself in one of the characters. But the thing that I've been asking myself is what is one of the greatest barriers to our promotion or our next level? Because all of us want to go to the next level. And as we get into a new year, usually our minds are more open by the grace of God. I think that's why God gives us season so that we feel like we can start again. We always want to go to another level. No one wants to go to 2022 and plateau. You're always thinking, okay, how do I get better in my spiritual work, in my relationships, in my finances, my health, my intellect, how I'm, how I'm impacting society, what more can I do, how can I, you know, how can my life have more meaning? Hopefully that's how you're thinking, you're not just like, uh, who cares, let's just live life. That's not a way to live because you have one life and you should live it to the maximum because God has allowed you to stay alive because he has a purpose for you. No matter how where you are right now, maybe you're sad. I sense that there's someone watching today and you've had a loss in your life. A loss of a loved one or a loss of a business or a loss of something very important to you. And you're at a, at a really low place in your life. And I think, I sense that the Holy Spirit is encouraging you today. Don't give up. Don't sink low. Don't stay there too long. Lift up your head. Lift up your head. Lift up your head. Okay? Lift up your head. And you know what? Only you can lift up your head. No one can do it for you. No, not There's not enough encouragement in the world to help you get out of that place. You actually have to dig yourself out of that place of darkness and get back into the light. Okay? Because I think you're waiting for a feeling to finally hit you. No, 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 no. Don't wait for that feeling. Crawl out of it bit by bit. And um, God is with you. God is with you holding you, to, taking you towards the light. Don't stay in the dark. Don't stay in the dark too long. Thank you for tuning in today. I know that it's not easy to hear the word of God when you're in that state, but to allow yourself to be fed by the Lord is a good thing. What is your current barrier to promotion? And I've been observing the lives of men and women of God in the scriptures and receiving instruction. And one of the things that stayed with me is that one of the greatest barriers to our promotion or our next level, as we get into 2022, you need to become aware that what could possibly stand in your way. You see, it's one thing to know what can promote you. It's another to know what can stop you from being promoted. Because sometimes we're only chasing what can help me grow. But it's also good to know what could possibly hinder me. Because when I know it, I can overcome it. When I, I love awareness. Because when I know that I have this weakness, 
it's no longer a, a, a pain point for me. I know I can catch myself and hey, you're entering that zone, get out, because it's a place of, of hindrance for me. And and that's why in the scriptures, uh, the apostles write and say, we are not unaware of the schemes of the enemy. They are patterns. You see, the devil is not creative. I was telling one of my spiritual children that the devil is not creative. He doesn't have that power because he's not he's not made in the image of God. It's man that can create and God creates with us. So the devil is not creative. But so when you get to know his patterns in any life, he overwhelms. Every time you're about to get into promotion, the devil overwhelms you, discourages you, discredits you, and gets you into a spiral where everything is falling apart. Your finances are not working anymore. Your relationship, something has gone wrong. Or who died? What? So you start to feel like, and so he wants you. He's an attention seeker. And if you think about it in your life, every time you've, you've, you've been going to the next level, chaos breaks out. And you feel overwhelmed and all you want to do is give up. Give up on, you want to hide, you want to, you, you get that feeling of I want to just hide from people, church, life, everything. It's because you've, you're about to stretch into a new dimension and the enemy knows it. And if he can't stop you, he will slow you down or make you quit before you get in. And for me, when I knew that now, when I see things falling apart, what I'm like, ah, promotion is coming. Do your worst, I will not be moved. You know, that thing of, yeah. You know, like when you, when you, are, you have mama ears, where when you have a baby, after a while, a child can throw a tantrum, screaming on top of their lungs, and it's like you hear nothing. Like they are there, everyone is disturbed. You're like, oh, give it three minutes. It will be done. So that's a thing. He, like, the devil throws tantrums. So when you feel overwhelmed, when, that's why he says, when I'm overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. There's a place that can't be overwhelmed in God. Where you refuse, you just, okay, your boss suddenly is over, what? Everything is falling apart. The promotion they promised you is not coming through. Oh, it's like everything is falling apart. Promotion is near. Commotion comes before promotion. Oh my God, I just rhymed. Hey, come on, people. It's working. Onaga. <laughs> anyway, the current, your, 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 the barrier to your promotion or your next level, I believe, is your current level. Your current level of thinking, your current level of knowledge, your current level of relating with people, your current level of basically your comfort zone. Your current comfort zone at some point was your next level. And it was tough, it was challenging. I remember when I became a full-time pastor, it was like so tough it still is but it was so tough then it becomes your way of life i remember how how much i dealt with guilt of being away from my children when i'm a mother at least fathers you know i'm a woman how can i be like this you know dealing with those things in my heart and what it means and being judged and being torn as a woman pastor and, and going through that stuff people writing you emails sending you messages telling you you're going to hell and yet inside you believe God has called you. And then get into the place where when I'm talking to the other, the other ladies that have come after me in the ministry, it's not as a bigger deal for them because now it's normal. You know, but but when, when I'm talking to them, I don't remember too much of that pain. It's now normal to me. I'm like, I just shut out those voices. Why? I'm over it. But then the next level, when now my pastor started to give me more responsibilities, even now we are stepping into something more and I'm feeling the discomfort and the stretch. And everything in you always wants to refuse the next level because it's unknown. It's unknown. It's scary. You feel like it's a setup for failure. So basically, the barrier to your next level is what you know currently. That's why sometimes someone is preaching at someone and because it's so foreign to you, you reject it. Every time they mention words like seed, you switch off. Thieves have come. Near the word seed, I was like that. Seed. When you talk about honor, seed, I would switch you off. Because they were equivalent to manipulation. In everything that God has created, there is a perversion. When you focus on the perversion, you miss the treasure. Yeah, and that's what the enemy wants. He perverts the powerful stuff so that we miss out on it. So the unknown is uncomfortable. It's scary. But it's where your next level is. It's where your next level is. And I think that it's time for us as a generation to be, to start to preach the gospel of sacrifice. 
the gospel of suffering, the gospel of, I know you're like, how can that be the gospel? Because let me show you an interesting scripture. I wonder if I, if I kept it in the version that I loved, that I found it in, in the Passion Translation. If I didn't, it's okay. You can still read it in the New King James Version. But in the Passion Translation, John, okay, the King James, I think I don't have it in the Passion. John 12, 24. It says, I'll start at 23. Jesus answered them saying, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. When you think glory, what are you thinking? Ah, dope things, right? Promotion. And right, glory has to do with promotion. It's the opposite of, of shame. It's next level. It's when I say that I'm about to be glorified. It means you're going to see me in my capacity. You're about to see me in my true light, in my power. Like all of you who thought I was nothing. Get ready. Glory is here. So when Jesus says the hour has come for me to be glorified, what's coming to your mind? It's like, ah, they are going to see that you are the Christ. All the haters, like you're going to have this crown on your head of a gold which has never seen on the world. Maybe the angels are going to lift you in the air. Choirs are going to start singing in the heavenlies. Like basically all the doubters are about to become believers. You know what I mean? And for many of you, God has been telling you, I'm taking you to the next level. You're like, ah, haters, get ready. I'm about to go to the next level. Now God's next levels, eh? They usually look strange. I'm about to show you. Because your understanding of glory can be your exact hindrance to your next level. Because for you, when God says, I'm about to promote you, he says, I'm about to make you a millionaire. Hey, like, let me keep checking my account. Who knows? Any time now, people are dropping millions. Then you start hearing instructions. Give. Give. Empty. Empty your account. Huh? Is I mean, they're about to make me a millionaire. Which millionaire is releasing everything? The way of the kingdom and promotion in the kingdom is so awful. Look, because Jesus answered saying, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Then he out of the blue said something before he says, like Jesus, when Jesus starts saying certain things, like you've said a good thing, glorified is nice. Most assuredly, which is like, I promise you, I swear to you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. <laughs> Let me read it for you in the Passion Translation. I remember that I kept it. In the Passion Translation, it's here. It says, let me make this clear. A single grain of wheat will never be more than a single grain of wheat until it drops into the ground and dies. Because then it sprouts and produces a great harvest of wheat, all because one grain died. In other words, the pathway to promotion in the kingdom is death. Huh? Oh yeah. I'm going to show you Jesus doesn't, doesn't stop there. Because I'm like, do you want to be exceedingly fruitful? Do you want to have glory in your life? Do you want the promotion of God in the next year? Get ready to die. And death means giving up what you have known. Maybe there's a dream you had in your heart that you cherished to be. Me, this is what I'm going to be. And you know that you know that you know. According to your strengths tests, which may have never seen done in the Bible. No, I did a strength analysis to get a calling from God, but... You can have your opinion, I'll keep mine. In fact, it seemed like God measured on weaknesses. It come to the guy who can't fight and say, mighty man of valor. And it's like, excuse me, where? Who is the mighty man of valor? Me who is hiding in the wine press. <laughs> you don't know who you're talking about. The, the guy who can't talk is not going to talk to the king to release a nation and lead it. So I don't know about your strength analysis, but the pathway to promotion, it seems to be. Remember, I've been telling you that the wisdom of God is very contrary to the wisdom of this world. And that's why as a generation, we have many people who say they are Christians or believers. But our lives look exactly like the people who don't know Jesus. And our results as well. Because we continue to live according to the wisdom of the world, wanting the results of the kingdom. It can't be. Jesus, so he says... <laughs> It remains alone, but if it dies, huh? it produces much grain. Go read about a seed and the process it goes through to produce fruit. It rots, it dies, 
it what then it comes forth and then you start seeing this shrub beautiful with fruit you see so many people who have who have great fruit in their life if you sat with them a little and found out that death they, they, there are many deaths they've had to die but that death is so much more worth it like because he says the next verse he says he who loves his life will lose it huh people love their life like me this is my dream this is my life my house my what my husband my wife my kids my mom my country i used to say i can never leave uganda like okay so who is lord in my life of course i can now leave uganda i'll go where god sends me because where he sends me is where my next level is when he says to elijah go to a place which I will show you and your provision will be there. Elijah could have stayed where he was and starved to death when his provision was waiting at another place. When it's time up where you are and you stay there, you start to experience decay. Because God has provided but at a next place. So you can still be stuck in Uganda when God provided for you in Togo. Everything you need for the next level, but you're here calling heaven down. And heaven is saying, no, move there. I have the resources you need. They are waiting for you. But you're telling God, no, 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 no. Bring them to where I am. And he says he who loves his life will lose it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And he says, if anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. In other words, if I serve Jesus, I must be willing to follow him where he wants to lead me. I must ask him what does promotion look like for me in the next season of my life. And it can look like a demotion sometimes. It can look like giving up something that seems so precious. It can look like giving up some relationships. It can look like giving up some money. It can look like giving up some habits. It can look like giving up some comfort. It can look like giving up some sleep. It can look like giving up some way of thinking, and I'm going to show you in the scriptures. And then Jesus says, now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Shall I say, Father, save me from this hour? He's like, no, for this purpose I came to this hour. So he says, Father, glorify your name. He says, what am I supposed to say? God, don't let me die on this cross. He says, I'm not going to pray that prayer. I came for this very purpose, to die on a cross. That's what he's going to bring. When I say I'm about to be glorified, it means I'm about to die, that my father may gain many sons. And he says, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice from heaven came saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. On and on it goes. But for me, this, this scripture is just showing us that our, first of all, the first thing is our way of thinking about promotion can be a hindrance. Because for you, promotion means no trouble, ease, comfort, you know, like how the world has said promotion, right? You're cruising in your Land Rover, Range Rover, you know, SC, those things of, I'd rather cry in a Range Rover than laugh on a bicycle. I don't know, baby. <laughs> Who told you that stuff? Uh, it's living in your beautiful house and, you know, um, having your children having an accent. I don't know which accent became elevated. Who says that when you have a certain accent, you're cooler? Who said that? <laughs> and I'm the from. I can have my accent from Kawari and I'm cool. And I decide that I'm cool. You decide which accent is cool. But we've decided what glory looks like. How about we consult the originator of glory? It looks to me like all the poor are promoted in the scriptures. Their patterns they followed. But the first one was they had to let go of their own idea of what life was like. Last week we talked about how it is not in a man to direct his own will. It's not in a man to decide what their life should be. So even these visions we have for ourselves, we should hold them with open hands. That, that's why he says, commit your way to the Lord. To man belong the plans, but to God there is the answer. It's the answer. Like at the end of the day, Lord, this is what I believe my life is about. Um, and I've learned now that sometimes what I think is a lifetime commitment is a seasonal one. Like God gives you a thing and you're like, this is it for life. Only to realize it was for a season. And now he's moving you. But if I'm stuck, if my God becomes my vision, the vision is my God, then I can't move. I get stuck in a place where God can't move me forward. But again, I say that our barrier is what we know now. What we know now. And it's time to leave 
whatever home looks like for you. Home can be a, a way of thinking. It can be a, a way of how life should be a plan of, for me, I'm going to grow up and do like this and like this. It's, it's how you think the world has patterned life. Grow up, finish school, get married, have children. Maybe you're not going to get married. Maybe you're not going to have children. Maybe you're not going to live in a four-bedroom, I don't know, apartment. Maybe maybe your, your, your story is very different. Maybe if by 40, you want to do what everyone has done by 40. You do understand, like, what does promotion look like for you? What course has God set for you? And so it's time to leave home and embrace greatness. You cannot embrace greatness while holding on to what you've always known. John Maxwell is a, is a believer and, and he's a coach and he says that growth is outside your comfort zone. The comfort zone is nice, but nothing of value grows there. Nothing. And let me tell you, all of us have a certain comfort zone at a certain level somewhere. It's either a way of thinking, our mind. It's a place where we have sworn we'll never leave. It's people that we are comfortable with. It's experiences that we've known. You know, it's, it's, it's that stuff. I want to take, take you to a few people. First of all, Mary, the mother of Jesus. She had to let go of tradition and what she knew to be able to carry the Savior. Do you know what would happen to a young woman who got pregnant out of wedlock? Like without a husband. Of course, she was already engaged. So she, she had a spouse. And they were get, and I think they got married. And right after they were married, God appears to her before she she ha, she gets to know her husband intimately. And then, she, but like for her to keep quiet and wait for God to talk to Joseph, in a culture where you are going to be stoned to death, you know you have to you have to recognize that Mary was not an ordinary young girl. She was a teenager. Which teenage girl is excited to get pregnant and possibly be killed? She had to. Be willing to let go of tradition to embrace her destiny. The promotion, her promotion didn't come looking like a promotion. It came looking like a death sentence. This could go wrong. Because how do you go to Joseph, your fiancé? You can't. That's why she couldn't be the one to go and tell Joseph. Actually, uh, <laughs> I tell you, me, you see me here. Holy Spirit. Imagine me going to Jeremy and telling him, Jeremy is my husband, that this one you are seeing here. Is the Holy Spirit. I even knew you were like, mm. always stupid. God had to appear to Joseph and convince him that Joseph had to be some kind of man also. Because whose kid are you raising? But their promotion looked like a death sentence and a potential society. If I think that's why Jesus was despised in his hometown. Like they knew that, that, that they said the son of Mary. They don't call him the son of Joseph. Son of Mary. Because I think they were whispers in the community. Mm -hmm. Skid. Skid doesn't look like Joseph. Skid here yeah, came early. Yeah? So girl might have played games, but you know Joseph, he's a father. He keeps quiet. Probably is keeping a secret of his fiance. David, the king, it came at the cost of his heritage. He was a shepherd. They kept sheep. His brothers became, you know, they went to the army. And he had to be different. Like, he was weird. Joseph, his came at a cost of eventually being enslaved, hated, thrown out, almost killed, serving in prison, being accused falsely. It's like, what? Does that look like promotion to you, honestly? Where you first become a slave, then after that they accuse you of, you, you refuse to sleep with a woman, then you end up in jail, then they, then about the, the battle and the baker forget you, then the thing that promotes you is a crisis of a dream. Finally, it takes you into the palace. After 13 years. <laughs> Abraham is the one I've been looking at. I've been looking at Abraham and Jesus. So Abraham... You know what happens to Abraham? One of the things, and I'll talk about what almost became his hindrance. Was God told him, leave your country, leave your family, leave your people to a land I will show you and I will make you great. But he carried Lot. His cousin. He carried someone familiar, you know. I think that's where the word family comes from. Familiar. Something familiar, you know. Something comfortable. So he carried quite a long Lot. And Lot ended up making him fight, but was not supposed to fight. Sodom and Gomorrah happened. They were negotiating with God. Wow, Lot. Slowed down Abraham. 
because he carried someone along he was trying to stay like it it, it, it almost became a hindrance to his promotion and destiny but what if i look at abraham and he had to leave his home the bible didn't tell us that god told him he was taking him he was guiding him step by step a place i will show you with thousands of people walking around to a place you'll be shown and the hindrance could have been what god what give me in a place you show me that's how some of us are me i want god first show me the whole thing then i'll move all you have is one instruction and that's how god operates when you move he shows you the next when you move me i don't know anything about my life and destiny I can't tell it to you 100 but I can tell you now. And then I know that when it's time for him to move to the next thing, he will tell me. All I need to do is keep responding. So, our idea of glorification, our idea of God's promotion, our idea, we it's like we lead God, right? We guide him, we tell him, so God, this is what I want for 2022, and I'm not against planning, I'm going to plan. But I, my plans are open-handed. They are, Lord, this is what I sense, could you speak to me? About And if he says in the middle of there, everything is thrown out, I won't feel like a failure. I'll know that to follow God is the greatest level of success. You know, to know that I'm following the path of God. At the end of the day, maybe I started out thinking I'm going to do this, but guess what? I'm doing this. And the two don't meet, but I am in the will of God. That is the place of success. Because to be in the perfect will of God is the place of success. You've succeeded. You're, you're walking with God. Now, beyond the thing of... I want to talk about something about what we know and how it can hinder us. But I'm going to talk about something a bit, maybe not, not, not what you're thinking. This is what I was thinking. One of the ways God promotes us and what he does is he brings a destiny helper. Right? He brings people. God uses people to promote us. That's why the Bible says promotion doesn't come from the east or the west, but it comes from God. And he says that it's God who chooses who to lift up, who to set down in his wisdom. But how many of you know that God doesn't come and promote you at your workplace? Like he's not down who writes you a letter or calls into the office. He uses your boss. That's why you have to honor those people because God uses those people to promote you. And they don't have to be Christians. Pharaoh wasn't born again, the one who promoted Joseph. He wasn't. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar wasn't born again. He worshipped other gods. He promoted Daniel. Like, God is not going to, if some of you think my boss is not saved, you know, he's so carnal, he's so what, or she's so whatever. Well, uh, God will use who he will use, and it's not up to you to determine how they should be behaving, their behavior. Yours is to honor those whom honor is due. So God brings us destiny helpers. But now you see, I can talk, at least the boss is easy to understand. You're like, yeah, God is probably going to use my boss. God is probably going to use my what? People who in your head are above you. But I want to ask what if your destiny helper is someone who is so common to you? This can hinder your promotion. Let me tell you, Jesus, do you know who his destiny helper was? His cousin. His cousin. John the Baptist. His cousin. Six months apart in age. They saw each other growing up. He knew his cousin was weird. Spent his time in the wilderness. He ate locusts, ate wild honey. Uh, he dressed very strange. Uh, he had his strange ministry. These two men recognized each other beyond the natural. You're going to have to be a spiritual person if you're going to enter the promotions of God. You have to. Because he will use strange people. But you can miss them because they are too close. For Jesus, I want you to imagine your cousin. You over know your cousins. Like you think of your weird cousin. The God comes through your weird cousin. You're like six months apart. You grow up together, okay? Six months apart. You know there, you can't even start thinking about age difference. At least if your cousin who's wealthy, older than you, has accolades. No, the strange one who does things which no one understands in the society. Then God says, that's what I'm going to use to promote you. And remember, God's promotion is strange. So the promotion of Jesus came through him submitting himself to a strange ministry. The ministry of repentance. The son of God who had no sin to repent of had to come under the ministry of repentance. And that's why when he shows up, John knows Jesus. Jesus knows John. Not according to cousins. They don't kill each other cousins. Nowhere in the Bible. But he, he, Jesus knows John in the spirit. John knows Jesus in the spirit. 
And when they meet, they're like, no, 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 dude, <laughs> you can't baptize me. He says, you're kidding. You must baptize me. He says, no, you are not worthy to touch your sandal straps. He says, dude, if you don't baptize me, I have to fulfill all righteousness. I can't get anointed. So they are struggling because they both honor each other because beyond cousin status, they understand a thing in the spirit about each other's ministries and destinies. You see, when you know that your destiny is tied to a certain person, then matter if they're younger than you, older than you, have more or less money, what accolades, they are weird. For you, you know. And that's what promoted Jesus. Is he knew, and Jojon had already said, he must increase, I must decrease. Jesus is saying, no, I must decrease. Like, I'm the one to come under you. And in that humility and Jesus' recognition, of who, and you're going to say, Jesus recognized John because he was Jesus. You know, Jesus was a man who had to read the Bible, who had to come under the influence of the Holy Spirit to be able to do his ministry. Otherwise, it would be unfair for him to expect us to be like him. So John, and this thing of Jesus, is that his cousin was his destiny helper. That can be your hindrance. Some of you, it's your cousin. It's your friend. Someone you educated. It's your daughter. It's your, I don't know what, like it's someone who you overknow. Now you have to go beyond that kind of knowledge and see that this person carries a thing that is connected to me. And God starts to open us up that we are like, eh, I saw and so. You have to know. Now let's talk about Ruth. Ruth had a mother-in-law called Naomi. You know how the world, the world talks about mothers-in-law? Some of you have a mother-in-law who has a destiny for you. But is your mother-in-law? Mother-in-law, I can't stand. So you came in with a guard against a mother-in-law. Meanwhile, she's a prayer warrior, a destiny helper. What? What? She's your mother-in-law. Ruth knew that this one is... Yes, this woman cannot produce... And meanwhile, the mother-in-law, even the boy died. The man died when she married. So she had no more connection to her. But she understood. She said, I don't know what it is. I know you can't give me a husband. I know you can't, but I don't know. I, there is a thing in me that is telling me, where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. That's a spiritual thing. Because would that look like a promotion to you? You get married in a family, the, woman, the man dies, then you follow the woman. To, for what? Stay around in your home area and you get remarried, hopefully. More in a culture where you needed a man to have any significance as a woman. Why would you follow a widow who is old, who can't reproduce, and whose husband also died? Who are you following? Are you a Moabitess? You're not accepted in Israel. Stay in your home. That woman saw something. She saw beyond a mother-in-law. She saw beyond a widow. And she said, I don't know what it is. But where are you going? But then you have to overcome a way of thinking, how the world thinks, how you should respond, how you should treat cousins, how you should treat mothers-in-law. Mm. There's a gentleman in the Bible, let me show you, who maybe you've never paid attention to, who ended up becoming a great man of God. He's called Jude. I'll read for you the first verse of, of, his, of his book. He says, Jude a bond servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. To those who are called, sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. That might sound like a normal statement to you until you understand that James is, Jude is the brother of Jesus. Like they are from Mary is their mother. You imagine you're Jude. You grew up knowing and this is your, 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 your brother. He calls himself a bond servant of Jesus Christ. He doesn't say, and then he says a brother of James. He didn't refer to Jesus as his brother. He differentiates them. He says, I am a bond servant of Jesus Christ. I'm a brother of James. There are people who you have to know, yeah, this is my brother. It's not my brother. This is my destiny helper. This is my sister. It's not my sister. My destiny helper. Understanding that opens doors because they, let me tell you, these people open doors to your destiny. In your house, there are many doors, each door leads you to a different room. If you stay in one room, you get access to the room through that door. People are doors into destinies, and some of them, the problem is that they are too close. Jude was not one of the people who believed in Jesus before he died, but it's like after the resurrection and when the gospel was preached, he came to know Jesus beyond being his brother and received him as the Christ. 
and he writes and it's one of those very powerful books short but powerful but he says jude he introduces himself a bond servant of jesus christ and brother of james he knows james is my brother jesus is not my brother jesus is my destiny helper jesus is my lord jesus is my savior mm. let's keep going esther Queen Esther, who we read about, you know how she became a queen? She had an uncle who was a gate man called Mordecai. He was a gatekeeper. <laughs> gatekeeper was a door opener into the palace. And when he sends a message to Esther telling her, you better be a deliverer. And she first plays the game, says, go back and tell her. If she's too scared, God will choose a deliverer. She thinks she's there because of what? This girl understands. This orphan girl raised by her uncle, the gate man of the king, now understands, oh, this man is not a normal man. I better do what he has said. Tell my uncle, I'm going to fast three days. I'll go before the king. If I die, I die. And that's why we have the book of Esther. If she hadn't listened to Mordecai, you think her book would be in the Bible for what? The scared girl who became queen. You're reading about Esther because Mordecai told her what to do. Her getman uncle. People are doors into destinies. I'll end with one more. Joshua. When you read the scriptures, er, Genesis, Exodus. When Moses is born, flees, burning bush. Mm -hmm. so God starts to talk to him hey I can't go to Pharaoh I don't know what 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 people like Aaron and Miriam these are the brother and sister of, 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 of Moses and you know God keeps telling him look hey I'm going to do this I'm going to do this I'm going to do this it's like no mm -mm. me I'm scared what if they ask me who you are I cannot speak what 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 hey go and gather so he's like Moses is scared and suppose they don't believe me. Suppose what, what, what? We're now in chapter 4 of Exodus. God tries to show him signs. Oh Lord, I'm not eloquent. Verse 10 of chapter 4. And neither before. God is like, who made your mouth? Ah, I'll be with your mouth. He says, please, ah, I can't go, I can't go. So God tells him, is not Aaron the Levite, your brother? I know that he can speak well. Like, go get him. He'll speak on your behalf. So, Moses and Aaron, Aaron and Miriam are written about in the Bible because they are, they are simply relatives of, of Moses. They are his, his siblings. It's what promotes them. And at some point they get familiar and start talking against him because they think, can't even talk, we came here to help him speak. Then God is like, excuse me, the reason you're here in this story because of that one. What am I saying to you? There are destiny helpers God has brought in your life. People are doors. As we go into 2022, promotion is going to look different. Start to ask God to open your eyes to see who the doors are. Who, not what, who. Who are the people? Like more important than how much money I want to make next year. Or which, which course I want to do next year. Ask God, who do you want me to attach myself to next year? Who should I follow closely? And I can assure you that you're not going to hear a voice from heaven. You get a sense. I think Ruth got a sense about Naomi. Like, that's a story that disturbs me up to date. Why did Ruth follow Naomi? She had nothing to offer her. But she just said, where you go? Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. I don't know what it is about you, but I feel my heart is open to you. The people who God has opened your heart to, don't dismiss it. Promotion in the kingdom looks different. It doesn't look the same way. And your hindrance is what you've understood promotion and glory to be. And your hindrance is your familiarity with some people who are uncommon, but they are too common to you. And others are tapping into them and their lives are changing. But for you, You've received them a certain way, so you receive the reward of the way you've received them. 
May God open your eyes and my eyes to see our destiny help us. May God open your eyes and my eyes to see the doors into our destinies that God has opened for us as we get into the next year. As spiritual people, not as carnal, not just writing plans on a paper, but saying, Lord, I've seen a pattern in your word. Everybody you promoted, you attached them to someone who they could have missed because they were too normal to them. Help me to see who are they and he will. You just start to say something where a word will be spoken, where a sign will happen, and you follow. And it's for everyone. It's not for a few spiritual people. It's for all of us. All you need to do is follow on a maybe. Maybe this is God. And see what happens. But also remember that it will cost you something. It will cost you your way of thinking. It will cost you certain experiences. You have to give them up and stop talking about your pain and what, 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 and your glories. It's that God is taking you to another level. So let go of this one so that you embrace the next. It will be uncomfortable. It will be scary. It's scary sometimes to submit ourselves to people. It's scary to walk into the next place, phase of life where we don't, we are not equipped. No one can even tell you what to do. But God will. God will not take you to the next level to abandon you and, read and, and, and just, you know, demote you. God's promotions look different. Sometimes they look like death. But in death there is glory. In letting go, there is glory. In letting go of what you think, what you've known, what you've esteemed for so long, God is able to lift you up to a place. Some of you, it's in your marriages. You need to let go of the way you've thought about life. You've been told how equal rights, I don't know what, and the way of God is different. Are you willing to embrace the promotion of God by embracing how he thinks and who he brings into your life? And also by embracing the unknown where you don't have power, where you don't have control, where the control is with God and you're fully dependent on him because we are praying for promotion and it's coming, but will we recognize it and embrace it or will we shun it thinking this can't be God? Why? doesn't look like what I know. Yeah, usually it doesn't look like what you know because his ways and your ways and mine are very different. So I thought, I know that it's been a bit mysterious and but I know that you've understood you have the spirit of God. Um, you can listen again and get an instruction and do what God is telling you to do. Thanks again for hanging out with me. You're watching and you've never met Jesus, Lord of your life. You're missing out. You're, it's not in man to guide his own steps. You can't guide your own life. God wants to guide you, but he can't force you. He wants you to say yes to him, to accept his guidance and his lordship, that he may promote you in life. Okay? So would you pray this simple prayer after me? If that's you and you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, just pray this simple prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, Today I accept you as my Lord and as my Savior. Forgive my sins and receive me today as your own. Today I am born again in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, let me know. Send us a message, BeatriceYemanzi at gmail.com. Everything is lowercase. Love to hear from you. And of course, if this has been a blessing to you, share with friends and family. But also let us know how it has been a blessing to you. And we love to hear from you. It's always an encouragement to myself and to the team that puts this together to know how the word of God is changing your life. It's the greatest treasure, I tell you. And it's an honor for me to be able to teach the word of God to you. I'll see you again next week as we get closer and closer to Christmas. Remember that Lord loves you and you are blessed.